Hi, podcast listeners. Today is March 20th, and I am Delaney Howell. Sorry I'm a little sick, so my voice might sound a little funny today, but hopefully my co-host, Mike Pearson, can pull it off for us. Well, you know, Delaney, uh, thanks for letting me come back, but I tell you what, I don't know if I'm feeling much better. My wife signed me up for personal training, (laughs) and I exercised today for about the first time since high school, and I'm not feeling so great. Well, I'm sure our listeners don't really want to hear about all our woes and complaints today, so let's just get right into the news. What do you got? Obviously, Friday, big news was released, especially for those of our listeners that live in Iowa. Des Moines Waterworks lawsuit has been overturned, and I think it's dead, safe to say. It is, but Delaney, is there any way we could get more information about this topic? Well, as a matter of fact, we have... Secretary Bill Northey, Iowa's Secretary of Agriculture, coming to talk to us later about the whole thing. Perfect. So it's worth staying tuned then. It is. You know, in other news, talking about uh, important people in the world of agriculture, and Secretary Northey certainly is one of them. Another one is uh, Dr. Temple Grandin, the noted uh, livestock handling expert. It was announced, I believe today, could have been Friday, but uh, I saw the news today that she is going to be inducted into the, the National... Uh, Women's Hall of Fame in September. I think that's pretty cool to get a get a voice of agriculture in the uh, Women's Hall of Fame. That is. I've heard Temple speak a few times. Um, I don't know if you have, but she's a great speaker. I mean, obviously with her autism, she's a little bit unique, but she has great things to say. And I think she's, you know, leading the way for women in agriculture. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a pathbreaker. That's for sure. She is. Um, in other news, the uh, EPA released final rulings on glyphosate, and there have been no, they've determined, I guess, that there have been no link to carcinogens in humans. So, you know, they said that uh, glyphosate is one of the number one chemical used in the United States. So good news for farmers. Yeah, good news for farmers, and, and maybe it'll quiet down those uh, people railing against uh, or marching against Monsanto, uh, right. as they say. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah. The other news that came out late in the day on Friday that was uh, of particular importance to a lot of our protein-producing friends is that several beef packers down in uh, Brazil were targeted and their offices were raided by the Brazilian police. And uh, this happened on Friday. Allegedly, these meat packers, um, including JBS and BRF, were bribing officials, inspection officials, to get away with unsanitary practices. Now, JBS published a statement on Monday categorically denying that this was the case, but this is a scandal that is going to take some time to play out. There was a note on Monday that the U.S. FSIS, the Food Safety Inspection Service that approved Brazilian beef into this country, oh gosh, late last year, is in contact with Brazil. They're monitoring the situation. And as of right now, there are no plans to ban Brazilian beef. But one of the interesting facts that came out in this story is that uh, these packers were allegedly bribing officials with things that to me seemed very common. They were giving them favorable bank loans, doing high-flying kind of uh, favors for Mm. them. But one of the other types of bribes was they were giving out hams. And, you know, 
I'd do just about anything for a good piece of meat, especially a good ham around Christmas time, you know. But my goodness, to uh, to falsify reports and permit unsanitary practices in exchange for a ham, boy, you know, have a little more pride, Inspector. Right. I guess that's what I've got to say about that. <laughs> but we will see as this plays out. Allegedly, the uh, Packers falsified documentations for meat exports to Europe, China, and the Middle East. So America wasn't on that list, but... You know, this is one of those things. Shares of those two companies were down pretty substantially on Monday. It's it's a wait and see type scenario. You know, somebody's going to be made to be the fall guy, but uh, we'll keep you updated as this story plays out. We will. Speaking of stocks, do you want to give us the market updates for today? I certainly do. Bear with me one second here, and we will jump in. It was a soft day in the grain markets as we take a look at the corn trade. May 2017 corn closed down four cents, ending the day at 363 and a half. Dece corn down three and a half, ending at 386 and a quarter. Over on the wheat side, May 2017 wheat closed down six cents, ending the day at 4.30 and a quarter. In soybeans, relatively stable day, or I should say mixed to unchanged. May beans closed down half a cent at 9.99 and a half, broke through that $10 mark. Novi beans closed at 9.93 and a half, unchanged. Looking over at the livestock side of the picture, oh, we had April live cattle drop 42 and a half cents, closing the day at 118.90. And March feeder cattle, well, let's jump down to April. April feeders ended up at up 82 and a half cents at 132.450. Over in the hog pit, it was a mixed day in hogs around the board. April lean hogs down 40 cents at 68.65. May lean hogs unchanged. June hogs up a nickel at 77.37. So now to get a better insight or a deeper insight on what's going on in the grain trade at Goddess of Grain, Angie Setzer. Delaney and I are here today talking to Angie Setzer. Angie, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I guess that's a lie. I'm not wonderful. What happened in the grains, both corn and wheat, down a little bit today? It's always hard when your feelings get hurt um, by the markets, which today is a they the they the grain markets did not have a spring in their step on the first day of spring. Um, you know, we're really struggling. To me, I would think that we would see some some excitement or some activity with what we have going on from a wheat production standpoint nationally, but the market just does not seem to care. They seem to so focused on the big crop or big supplies that are out there globally, and the idea that that's that trend is going to continue, you know, with the, the higher production that we saw or the, the continued increase in, in estimates out of Australia and thoughts that the European crops off to a good start. Right now what's happening in the Delta, the Southern Plains, and the reduced wheat acres um, don't seem to be catching traction. So that's weighed heavy on the market, the corn market in particular. Um, and then, of course, with, with corn, it seems like everyone's focused on this big crop getting bigger in Brazil, which I find funny because right now for their second crop corn, which is the, the crop that matters, they're really just in May. I mean, we, we just got it planted. Um, we're a month or so away from any sort of uh, important production period there, but the, the market itself is already adding, you know, another 7 million metric ton above the, the huge USDA estimate we saw last week. So that's a, a rough one because if Brazil does produce 91 to, to 98 million metric ton of corn, that's really going to weigh heavy on what we have happen into the, the 
the last part of the marketing year for us here, June forward, as well as into next year. So now, I think that's really where we're at. Gotcha. But we do know, or at least we're fairly confident, that Brazil has a massive soybean crop and beans were flat on the day. Yeah, uh, it's kind of an enigma. Uh, I think everyone in the marketplace is scratching their heads a little bit on that one. But the one thing that we're seeing with Brazil right now is the farmer sales are incredibly slow. Um, so Brazil may have this massive crop, but the farmer isn't really ready to part with it. Um, he's holding it to hedge against currency uh, fluctuations. And just because we've had some logistical hiccups as well as the fact that they sold too early a year ago, um, so they're on the, the opposite side of the boat this year. And so there's been some thought that, um, you know, we really haven't seen anything in the way of, of cancellations of old crop export sales, knock on wood. Um, and the, the thought is, is that demand is still there. Um, you know, we've seen really solid demand for meal and, and oil um, in both the domestic and the export market. So when it comes to soybeans, even though, uh, the writing could be on the wall that we have this massive Brazilian crop, a, a large Argentinian crop, because the, the crop uh, estimates out of Argentina are back up to where they were prior to the drought and then the floods um, that we saw happen there December and January. And so even in the face of these large supplies coming into the global pipeline, I think we're still seeing that, uh, you know, perhaps a short crop long tail sort of situation um, in in that market structure where we're still seeing that demand happen and, and it's keeping that floor underneath the bean market at this point. Anything growers need to be thinking of today as we prepare for the rest of the week? When it comes down to it, if, if you're really, really nervous going into next week's report, you have 10 days or, or you, know, you basically have the remainder of this week into, into next week um, because that report comes out on Friday. If there's anything that you absolutely need to cover from a risk management standpoint, take a look at it. Um, but I think it's, it's good to point out the fact that from a, a risk, you know, crop risk um, situation that these farmers are in right now, if, if they purchased a reasonably solid revenue protection plan for crop insurance, they do have some downside risk covered there. Of course, that's not a marketing strategy. You know, you don't, don't rely on your crop insurance, but know that, um, you know, now is not necessarily the time to panic. It's early yet, but if you are open, you know, say on on uh, your your soybeans are sitting in commercial storage or something like that from an old crop standpoint, definitely kind of whittle down some of that risk just in case that report next week is, is negative to price. Kind of switching tracks here. Um, obviously, the Kansas senator is trying to push that bill through to release the embargo with Cuba. What What do you think that would do for the wheat market if that goes through. Anytime we open up new sources of demand, I think it's beneficial. Um, overall, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what we would see from a, a large swing in demand structure, um, but any source of demand is good demand. Um, so it would be helpful. Um, we did see, you know, we really, when it comes down to it, we have large supplies of, of wheat on hand and we've, we've got to find markets for it to go into. Um, so anytime we can open that door, I think is, is going to be a, a solid move. It may not move the market, the futures market, um, significantly at that point, but it should help perhaps firm some basis levels in the Gulf or, or in our other export, um, ports. And drive down some of those massive stockpiles. I mean, let's just yeah. go eat eat whole grain, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's right. Eat as much bread as you can. That's I mean, right. I cannot do it all on my own. But we can try, <laughs> Angie. 
<laughs> I have been for the last two years. I tell you what. <laughs> well, Angie, we really appreciate you taking the time, and hopefully we can get you back on before too long. Well, of course, I will look forward to it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we always appreciate Angie Setzer's comments, and hopefully we will be able to get her on back here before too long. Now, Delaney, would you tell us what we've got coming up next? Sure. As we mentioned earlier in the program, we had the opportunity briefly to discuss with Secretary Northey the Des Moines Waterworks. So without further ado, here he is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are very excited today to have the opportunity to talk to Iowa's Secretary of Agriculture, Mr. Bill Northey. Bill, thanks for taking the time to join us this afternoon. You bet. Great to be with you. Well, now, we got big news late breaking on Friday that the uh, federal district court up in the Western District of Northern Iowa has dismissed the Des Moines Waterworks lawsuit against the drainage uh, districts in those three northwestern Iowa counties. The big question, Bill, on everybody's mind is, does the lawsuit being dismissed mean that farmers are in the clear? Yeah, well, to some degree, with this lawsuit, it does, Mike. Um, of course, it can be appealed, uh, so there are ways that it could come back potentially, and, and I'm not um, following enough to be able to know what the likelihood of that is. But in, in certainly... Um, there, there could be other lawsuits. There could be other kinds of concerns that come from the politics as well as the legal aspects. So from our point of view, farmers should keep doing what they've been doing actually well before the lawsuit and, uh, and during the lawsuit. And that is find a way to work together to find a way to put some water quality friendly practices on your farm, work together with uh, the urban areas. And to me, one of the biggest benefits is that Hopefully it takes that off the front pages and puts on the front pages all the great things that Iowa farmers and other islands are doing to improve water quality. Now, in the Des Moines Register, I believe the article came out Friday afternoon, um, Stowe said that the best plan moving forward was nutrient reduction strategy. So has there been any movement on securing funding for that sort of an improvement? There, there has been a couple of bills in the legislature, both in the House and in the Senate, uh, to increase the funding and, and have that funding dedicated over the next 15 or so years um, in an increasing way. So a, a dedicated fund, have it grow, that continued support of the science-based non-regulatory effort that's been going on. So I'm hopeful uh, that we'll see more progress there and, and some increased investment recognizing that we are at a time when the budget's really tight. We have uh, the ag economy slowed down. That's had an impact on the rest of Iowa's economy. So state revenues um, are not increasing, uh, but there still is an interest in increasing the amount of dollars, especially for the future, that can be invested in water quality. Uh, we believe that taps into a lot of other dollars, both private dollars and and federal and other organization dollars that come with some state dollar investment. Uh, we would love to see that momentum continue around that nutrient reduction strategy. Uh, so we're hopeful it'll still happen, but time will tell here. We've got uh, probably another month of session and in tough budget times, but uh, hopefully it'll happen to me. 
Yeah, tough budget times, but the uh, nutrient reduction strategy is one of those areas where environmental groups are on the same side as agriculture in a lot of ways. Really are, Mike. Um, as you as you look at things, um, we have we have a lot of groups that may be even opposed to each other on different other strategies that are working together on watersheds across Iowa. So uh, this is one of those areas where there's support for additional funding. Uh, I think as uh, everybody has seen more effort going into cover crops and nutrient reduction efforts both on the edge of field and in farms. We've seen urban areas as well as agricultural areas come around and do some more work that it has brought some other folks on uh, in support of the effort uh, that that maybe you were a little hesitant to start with. So we're hopeful that the momentum and the broad-based support that we see out there will bring some additional dollars, uh, even if it doesn't move super fast because the dollars are tight here. If we make that long-term commitment and we do it in a tight budget year, I think that will send a heck of a message uh, that, there is broad support for this effort uh, if it can be done, especially in a challenging budget year. Mr. Norley, you mentioned cover crops, so that brings up a good question. So an environmental working paper group published recently that only 3% of Iowa farmers are using cover crops currently. So does that match what you've seen in your travels around the state? Well, I think the numbers may have been 3% of the acres. Uh, so we have maybe 600,000 acres in Iowa. But our numbers show in, in Iowa State just did a did a survey out to folks that we have about 20% of the producers that are trying cover crops. They're not putting on all their acres. They're putting on some of their acres to get started and then growing uh, the number of acres that they dedicate to it over time. So uh, to be able to see 20% of our producers using cover crops, to be able to see that number continue to grow both in the percentage of folks that are using it, as well as the acres per producer that are growing up, and then to be able to have another 30% of they were part of that survey that say they are interested in being able to put, try cover crops on their farm in the future, I think we do see a momentum um, because if we look back five or seven years, uh, we were seeing you know 50,000 acres or less in cover crops. Now we have over 10 times that many acres. So. So it's slow. It's a big state with lots of fields and lots of producers, lots of different experiences and operations. But we see a growth uh, that that I think um, will will continue to um, is what that we'll continue to see over time. That'll get us into um, you know multiple millions of acres as we go forward. So um, I I think we're seeing good growth. Uh, it is a small percentage of our acres right now, but we see pockets. Or it's a lot larger than that. Uh, for example, uh, Washington County in southeast Iowa uh, mm-hmm. is a pocket that has experienced cover crops for several years. Uh, they have probably more acres in cover crops um, than any other county. Uh, we see some watershed projects where where we've been working on it for three or four years, and we have some of those areas that see 10 to 15% of the acres in those projects uh, that have cover crops on them. So, We're seeing the kinds of things that would indicate growth, but it does start small. Everybody's got to figure out how it works in their operation. 
You know, Mr. Secretary, it reminds me back in the 1930s when hybrid seed corn first came out. I mean, there really isn't anything better in the world of agriculture, and that still took 12 to 15 years for farmers to adopt. We're just, we like Absolutely. to practice and try before we roll it out everywhere. Now, that's exactly right. Yep. Before we let you go, the nutrient reduction strategy, which uh, IDALS has been a champion of since 2012, is that correct? Correct, 2012. Right. It, it's a science-based voluntary strategy to reduce ag runoff. Where can citizens or farmers go to learn about the science behind the strategies being implemented, be it cover crops or uh, saturation buffers or so on? So uh, they cannot always go in their county to a soil and water conservation office in the county that's housed usually with uh, the state NRC or the, the state uh, division of soil conservation and water quality office, the, the federal NRCS office. So the USDA service center uh, will have folks there that will know they can go to our website, uh, the Iowa Department of Ag and Land Stewardship. So iowaagriculture.gov or Another website, cleanwateriowa.org, um, and they can go in any of those and be able to find some more information about how they can access some of these dollars, some of the technologies, uh, and some of the things that are happening in, in field days and other kinds of activities in their area. So we encourage everybody to find something to try on your farm. You don't have to fix all the problems on, on your farm. Just try something, figure out how it works improve it, engage, and uh, we'll all find ways to be able to make the kind of improvements that together will cause a significant impact in improving our water quality across the state. Well, Mr. Northern, we will let you get back on the road as you tour the uh, southern part of the state and want to give you a hearty thank you for taking the time to talk to us here at Ag News Daily. I appreciate talking. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, Bill Northey has been a tireless advocate for that nutrient reduction strategy, which, as Delaney mentioned during the interview, Bill Stowe, the head of the Des Moines Waterworks, has said that appears to be the full path forward. So we will see how these things shake out going into the future, won't we, Delaney? We will. Yeah. And coming up tomorrow, we have Tanner Nupp. He's from a small town in southeast Iowa and... Uh, works for Nup Farms, his family farms, and he had the opportunity to go to Kansas and do some outreach with those wildfires. Yeah, I was following Tanner on Twitter, and, you know, he was hauling, I think he's hauled at least one, maybe two loads. He's done of, two loads now. Yep. Two loads of hay and supplies mm -hmm. down to Kansas, and uh, while he was down there, Delaney, did you mention he uh, he took a drone video? He did, and he said he's just putting the finishing touches on it, so hopefully he'll have that available and can tell us where we can all watch it tomorrow. Man, it's, it's tough to watch footage of those, of the after effects of that fire. It is. I mean, it is heartbreaking. Um, as we mentioned on Friday, do check out agweb.com slash wildfires if you are able and willing to make a donation to support our fellow farmers and ranchers down in Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado. That's right. And uh, on Wednesday, so we're going to have a great week all the way across Wednesday. I am very, very excited. We will have the opportunity to talk to a man that I deeply, deeply respect. He is the mouth of the markets, and his name is Chip Flory. We will talk with Chip. We'll get his insights on the market and a little bit of his background. What makes Chip tick is what we'll be talking on Wednesday. So do stay tuned, and uh, we will be back tomorrow.
Sounds good. And like always, please follow us at Ag News Daily on Twitter if you haven't done so already. And my personal Twitter handle is at Delaney Howell 07. So with that, have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow.